Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin leads the nation in the production of specialty cheeses, accounting for 47% of the total? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to A Hungry Society. I'm Korsha Wilson, and this is a show where we talk about food, food media, and so much more. Today's guest is Chef Chris Chung, a born and bred New Yorker who grew up in the heart of Chinatown on Mott Street and in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. He is the current chef and owner of Eastwind Snack Shop and Tanso in Nashville. Chef Chung studied at the cooking the New York Restaurant School and worked in fine dining kitchens like John George. He was part of the opening team for Nobu Tribeca by Iron Chef Morimoto Masaharu. Chef Chung has also worked in Shanghai, where he cooked banquets in the nearby farming and fishing villages. Chef Chung, welcome to A Hungry Society. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so cool. You know, <laughs> hanging out uh, in the studios here right next to the Roberta's. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so happy you're here. And I know you are very, very busy. Yeah, so I'm happy to be here and, uh, you know, really busy time because tomorrow is Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. So Chinese New Year, uh, I'm Chinese I'm a, and I'm also a Chinese chef. So um, I have two restaurants. One, uh, like you said, it's East Wind and we're located in uh, Windsor Terrace in Brooklyn. And, um, and then I have uh, um, another restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, partners with um, Neet Chohan and the uh, Morph Hospitality Group. And they... Uh, are building a small empire down there, and they uh, opened a Chinese restaurant. So Meet came and uh, knocked on my door and said, "How'd you like to do that with me?" And I said, "I would." There was nothing else I would rather do than do that with you. So mm-hmm. uh, she took me down to Nashville, and uh, we opened this great Chinese restaurant, and it's been open about a year now. And uh, you know, we're coming into a Chinese New, New Year celebration. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, lots of things going on. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. million things going on. I'm sure. Yeah. So, can you talk more about the the celebration and what if, if someone had never been to a celebration before how would you describe it okay so you know it's chinese new year celebration if you've never been to one before you have to brace yourself because it's not a quiet reserved kind of thing it is lots of dancing lots of drums lots of action lots of craziness going on um but throughout it all a mainstream theme throughout any chinese new new year celebration is food Mm -hmm. so lots of food going on lots of food that's prepared specially for the new year um there you know chinese new year put it this way it's it like many new year celebrations it's a it's a uh it's an aim to start clean and forget about what happened in the year past uh, that may have not been the greatest things that have happened to you mm-hmm. and look towards the new year as something as a chance to do something great. Um, 
as far as the Chinese culture goes and Chinese people themselves, we are very superstitious, right? So it's all about luck. And we actually say to each other during Chinese New York, Kung Hei Fa Choi, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that, but mm -hmm. that's a common saying. Um, many people who don't know the meaning just kind of figure it as Happy New Year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but in the literal meaning, when they break down the words, it means kind of grab the luck out of the, out of the air. Mm. And so we uh, do a lot of thinking about bringing good luck. We do a lot of gambling to kind <laughs> of uh, spur that on. And, uh, you know, the gambling is important. And, uh, you know, it's all about luck. And, you know, of course, we like to have fun with it. You mm. know, so there's lots of mahjong going on, lots of cards, you know, things like that. Um, I think Atlantic City is probably going to be a little busy <laughs> this weekend. It's booked up. Yeah, pretty much. What dishes are, like, do you have to have for a celebration? Okay, so there are lots of dishes. It, it, there, there's lots of specific dishes. And mm -hmm. then there's lots of dishes that um, you can prepare many different ways. But as long as you have the main component, uh, I'll give you an example, uh, fish. So a whole fish mm -hmm. um, is meant uh, to represent prosperity. And so having that whole fish, and I guess it goes back to, you know, back in the day when you just didn't have to go to the market and buy a whole fish, you had to go and catch fish mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, and then bring it home and then cook it. So um, the, the whole fish represents uh, you're going to get um, some, you're going to do better in the next coming year. Mm -hmm. um, noodles are a big deal. Uh, so noodles uh, represent long life. Mm. And, you know, who doesn't want that, right? Right. Who wants to live long. So, uh, And then there's tons of other things that represent uh, other um, common goals and things like that. You know, uh, shrimp um, represents happiness because the word um, shrimp uh, is synonymous with smile. Mm. Things like that. And then, okay. and then there's also, like, lots of dishes that are just for celebration. Just come in and, you know, lots of families will make dumplings. I'm a dumpling guy. East Wind Snack Shop is mm -hmm. known for it's dumplings. It's known for yeah. its dumplings. But dumplings are really uh, originated from uh, household, uh, you know, making them in the house, making them with the family. Uh, the whole family getting together and, you know, rolling out the dough and making the skins and, you know, putting the filling in the skins. And, you know, um, are you better than your brother at, you know, <laughs> making dumplings and things like that. My, my wife's family, they're from Shanghai and they love spring rolls. So spring rolls are a big thing in Shanghai. So, you know, uh, for Chinese New Year and many other, you know, when there's birthdays or something, we all come in over the house. You know, the, uh, her mother and father, uh, you know, break out the, um, the spring rolls and freshly fried spring rolls all day. Oh. That so you know, amazing. Yeah, so like for Thanksgiving, you know, we're watching football and I, you know, before dinner I've had like 15 spring rolls and, you know, <laughs> comatose on the couch. You know? right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Chinese New Year, big celebration. People come, um, relatives come over to the house, mm -hmm. celebrate, eat. There's always dinners. There's always food on the table. They, we buy special trays where we put candies out for the kids, things like that. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, just one big blast. And the great thing about it is, our New Year's doesn't last one night, right? So we don't just celebrate New Year's Eve and then, you know, hungover for the rest of the New York City. Right. Ours goes on for weeks, usually about two weeks. And we have parades in Chinatown, the lion dance, yes. you know, the drums, the music. Um, and the lion dances uh, also, you know, if you've ever been to Chinatown and you've seen the big lions and the dragons and the and then, you know, they're beating the drums and you see the gongs and you see the, uh, you know, the, the Buddha-like teaser guys. And um, those are meant, th all that noise is meant to scare away bad spirits. Mm. So these guys come in and in with the good and out with the bad. Wow. Yeah. So last um, New Year or Chinese New Year, it, I was at uh, Noodle Town. Great New York Noodle Town. Yes. yes. Great yes. New York Noodle Town. Yes. 
and I was with a group of people and you said it, you know, it's not like a quiet celebration. That is so true. Um, people brought in handles of alcohol. There you go. <laughs> with their, to have with dinner and like people were passing the handles around the dining room. Like some of the staff, you know, took some shots. Nothing like New it, Year's, right? Yeah, shots for New it Year's, was, yes. It was so much fun and people had, um, it was Year of the Rooster. Yep. Yeah, so people had like roosters on their tables that they brought in or little trinkets. Or- yeah, so they have the, um, you know, the animals are the Chinese zodiac. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, in, in the Western world, you know, you have the Sagittarius and the Virgo. Um, in Chinese culture, it's 12 animals. And each year um, is as represented by an animal and the cycle goes for 12. So every 12 years, it then it uh goes back to the first year which is the dragon Mm -hmm. and then each year an animal comes around and the story behind that is each one of these animals were the first ones to come to buddha in his time of need Mm. back in the day right Mm -hmm. so uh and so though they were so important that they got a spot on the chinese zodiac wow that's awesome Um, oh and if you're depending on what year you're born then that's the animal attached to you and you take on the characteristics of that animal Yes. yes. I yes. what what is your animal? So I'm a monkey and it's funny too cuz in my it's I, I think that's kind of rare in my uh, my house it's me, my wife and my son. We happen to all be three monkeys. So wow. we got three monkeys in the house. It's kind of That's cool. very rare. Yeah. yeah, uh but we're also you know, the monkey characteristic is, you know, mischievous mm-hmm. and smart but mischievous and <laughs> you know uh and so all three of us together sometimes it makes for an interesting household. <laughs> Pretty funny, you know. I'm a rabbit. And My mother's a rabbit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know, fast moving. Or yeah. So they like have that. you know um, they have certain characteristics that might not naturally be with the um, you know the animal that you might think, uh, and some that you do. So you know you know mm-hmm. fast moving, um, but uh, but gentle and uh, and trustworthy mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, you know things like the uh, like the snake or the rat. You know um, they have signs of intelligence and and things and things like that. So you know some people hate their sign because it's not the coolest animal that it could be <laughs> right. you know, associated. But there's lots of good stuff that you can get from mm-hmm. the uh, from each, you know, zodiac symbol. So yeah. speaking of um, of Chinatown, you grew up on Mott Street and Bentonhurst too and yep. and in Bentonhurst in Brooklyn. Yep. And these are two neighborhoods that have changed yes. so much over the past like few decades. So Chinatown itself um, I grew up on Mott Street. It's the Manhattan Chinatown. And I mm-hmm. say that now because back in the day, there was only one Chinatown. So when you said Chinatown, everybody knew where you meant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now there's three, four, five Chinatowns in New York City. There's Flushing. There's uh, 8th Avenue in Brooklyn, Sunset Park. There's little ones that are scattered. There's Avenue U in Brooklyn. And there's a couple others that are kind of scattered throughout the city. Uh, but the main one being in Manhattan, Mott Street, Pell Street, Bayard Street, Canal Street. Um, that was the original, and it still remains um, uh, a large Chinese community. Uh, like I said, it's changed a lot, um, but it's still the same. Back in my day, it was mostly Cantonese and uh, Toysan and Hong Kong um, immigrants, and these days, more of the north have, have come, and the Fujianese and mm-hmm. uh, Shanghainese and you know people from Beijing and, and Sichuan, and and so the uh, terrain of food options have changed a lot Mm -hmm. in Chinatown and Manhattan. For me personally, a lot of the restaurants that I loved, adored, 
worshipped have kind of closed, right? So what you have is a um, uh, a lot of the people who came in the early 1900s started up restaurants and they followed the American dream and the um, and they raised their kids. But the kids were raised now American. Uh, they went to college. They became doctors and lawyers and accountants and you know all sorts of other professional people, uh, radio hosts like yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and when the fathers and mothers got old and couldn't run the restaurant anymore, there was nobody to pass the restaurant on to. The kids didn't want to come back. Well, most of them didn't want to come back. So they closed the restaurant, and now the new guard takes over. And so there's lots of new food and new options and new blood in Chinatown that um, are, I guess, setting the mark for what Chinatown will be in the next few years. Mm. Uh, and that's happening right now. That phase is happening right now in Chinatown, primarily in the Manhattan one. So if you want to see this happening, you know, search old Chinatown, some of the old restaurants. I'll name some for you now. Yun Yun was a really great restaurant. South Wind was a great mm. restaurant. Joy Luck was a great restaurant. Um, and they were all mostly Toisan style restaurants. Toisan is a rural um, area outside of Canton or Guangdong and uh, was kind of more of the countryside kind of thing. But a lot of the people there came to America in, in that time. Mm. And, the, and the food uh, has a certain uh, aspects to it all on its own uh, that we come to love in Chinatown, but it's hard to get anymore. Um, and so a lot of those restaurants are now closing down or have been closed and new people from different regions of China have come in and started to open uh, So speaking of that um, older generation of Chinese restaurants, I, I read that you decided to become a chef or you realized that food was bigger than just food because there was a restaurant underneath your grandmother's yeah, apartment? Yes, so one of my early food memories, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we uh, as chefs, we... If you're a chef, you draw f inspirations from memories you had as a kid eating food that, um, you know, if you were from China, you know, obviously it'd be Chinese food. A lot of Italians have the same thing, uh, you know, from your parents, from your grandparents and from the community. And so there was this little shop downstairs, my grandmother's house, that when I was six, seven years old, I used to run down and they, you know, you'd get a snack. And, you know, from, for us, it was go get dumplings. And this particular dumpling was the hagao, which was the shrimp dumpling. And if, uh, if anybody has ever eaten one, it's the one that's full of shrimp. And it's got that clear, translucent wrapper where you can almost see through the mm -hmm. wrapper. Uh, it's steamed and it has these nice little pleats and it's served in the bamboo basket. Back in the day, they were served on the paper boats. And um, they were the best dumplings I ever had to this day. And it's because it's filled in my memory of being going down there and I can still taste it. And, you know, it's like, it's, you know, you kind of feel like you can still taste it, but it not quite it's right there and you kind <laughs> right. of remember it you know everybody has that right it's like just right on the tip of your tongue and you still you know still get that gush of memory and enjoyment mm -hmm. and sentimentality running through your brain but you know in reality it's no longer there you're never going to have that again uh and you know it's just the thought mm -hmm. um but as a chef you take those things and you make you you're inspired by them um 
I, my restaurant Eastwind is inspired by that very um, by that very thought by that very memory. And um, back in those days, the, those little shops were all over Chinatown. Counter stools, limited menu, did lots of snacks, and served really the working community of Chinatown. Because if you were uh, lived in Chinatown, chances are you worked in Chinatown, and you worked really hard, mm-hmm. 12, 15, 16 hours a day for pennies, um, just to work hard and feed your family and pay the rent and, you know, and, and live that life and build that American dream and mm-hmm. try to save some money so you could go, go, kid can go to college. But you worked really hard. So, you know, if you're poor and you work really hard and you're inside a closed community, there aren't many pleasures in life but food happens to be one of them, and good food usually is around. And um, in those little shops, in those little counter spaces, um, they worked lots of magic. And so when I uh, opened Eastwind in Brooklyn, uh, I was inspired to do the very same thing in the menu, the layout, and the whole, uh, the whole kind of essence of the place it follows that. Mm. Um, speaking of working hard, I know your your mom worked as a, a seamstress, right? Yes, yes. So and we were, yeah, we were dirt poor. Mm-hmm. She worked as a seamstress. She uh, she worked in uh, she worked in a couple of offices, um, but yeah. So you know, work wherever you can get it. But uh, in Chinatown, if you needed work quick, um, chances are you found yourself in the garment industry, the sweatshops they used to call them. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did what did she do there? So you know uh, everything from stitching uh, fabric to sewing on buttons, and basically you know they'd pay you like a penny a button, you know. So you'd have you know so you'd work twelve to fifteen hours for you know fifty dollars a day or something like that, and uh, that put food on the table. So you know I I grew up eating off of how many buttons my mother could <laughs> sew on clothes, you know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you've also said that Chinese food, in in particular in New York City, has become like you know ten different like offshoots of um, the original Chinese cuisine that you know people may have come to America with. Yes. Like once they got here, it became something completely different. So all right, so you know, imagine yourself. It's um, you know you have a group of Chinese guys, right, mm-hmm. that are, um, and when I talk about a group, nothing like 10 or 20, but this is a popular, the demographic of the population that has been uh, brought here um, and uh, allowed to kind of live in Chinatown and um, and do business and work. And, you know, we could get into the whole craziness of like the Exclusion Act and, you know, why they came here and, you know, what restrictions, and it wasn't the greatest thing uh, for a community, but what happened was good things did come out of it, right? So you had a whole bunch of Chinese people that came over here and they um, they introduced their cuisine to America. And again, we can go into some of the bad stuff, how there was some backlash, and mm-hmm. you know people would uh, you know basically if you if you if you were here before and you had restaurants and you had businesses and now the Chinese are coming in, you know, you have to share your piece of the pie. Nobody's going to like that. I understand that. Right. You know, who's, who's going to like that, but you can't stop that. And it came. And so you have this one style of cuisine, but you know, the Chinese people also knew that, um, you know, to be embraced, they would have to kind of tailor their cuisine a little bit more towards, you know, the outlying communities and, you know, and then Chinatown kind of got formed and it became more of a, you know, came, there was a tourist element to it and people would be interested. And then all of a sudden people were like, yo, this food's pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, and then 
you, what you had was entrepreneurs that would go outside. So you'd have these Chinese restaurants that were in the urban area, the, the suburban areas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those were m way more tailored to uh, the American palate than what you would get in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you'd have some of the same foods, but in Chinatown, you'd have lots of different things from the menu that would were tailored just for the Chinese working community, things that they know that they would like. Um, and some of those didn't really didn't land up in those suburban areas, right? And then you had, you know, the malls opening up and you had things like Panic, you know, Panda Express and, you know, things that were uh, um, uh, meant to feed America quick, easy. Uh, and, you know, that took on a whole um, animal of itself on its own, right? Uh, because, you know, um, as a chef, you don't think about cooking for convenience and things like that. But as a working parent, I understand how sometimes you know you gotta you gotta make that call for takeout. There's just no, <laughs> right. there's no, you know, there's no going past that. You have to. You're, we're all we all live in America. We know all. We all know how that is. Nobody, you know, if you have, if you're lucky to be able to cook home cooked meals seven days a week, you know, then God bless you. But for the most rest of yeah, us, you most, know, most yeah. parents cannot. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, you have that element to it, and and then you know you had you know then you have your um, your kind of cheap quick to go take out on the corner you have your um your, you have your home style chinese restaurants in chinatown serving you know the chinese community you have your suburban restaurants that are more like you know let's go out on a sunday and you know sit down at this chinese restaurant you're gonna get that that scene in the christmas story with the duck and <laughs> right. you know and and so all these different styles of restaurants started to started to pop up and then you have the the sectioned off styles of cooking within Chinese cuisine itself, you have the stir fry, you know, and that's, you know, mainly for dinner. You have your dim sum, which is mainly, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, and that's a whole different type of cuisine on its own. You have your barbecue places, and you'll see that with the ducks hanging, you know, in the window with the, the meats on the hooks and things like that. And so everybody has their favorites, and uh, there was more than enough to go around as far as trying different things, and it made it very, very exciting. You know, nowadays you have a few more of those types of differences in, in Chinese food. So now you have regional differences, right? Yes. Now you can go out for Shanghainese food. You can go out really for Szechuan food. And I got to tell you, sometimes the Szechuan food drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm a Cantonese guy, right? I'm, you know, I cook uh, primarily Cantonese food, but Szechuan food overtook the market by storm. Um, you know, I get. Why do you who, think that is? Um, you know, after so many years of Cantonese food, you know, Sichuan was such a contrast with its spiciness, um, and it and it lent you know a whole different um, window of of like things that you could eat Chinese that you didn't know the, that these flavor profiles existed. And, you know, that was a big part of it. Um, but, you know, I get people coming into my restaurant and be like, you know, I can't eat Chinese food. It's too spicy. And, I, and I'm like, Chinese food isn't Not spicy. But then I realized <laughs> that's, that all they've ever had up until now is Szechuan food. Mm -hmm. And that's what they think all Chinese food is. And I'm just like, holy cow, it just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Blows my mind that, you know, I've been, you know, really for the last 10 years, Szechuan food has been predominant. But for the 100 years before <laughs> it, it's been... Cantonese food and Toysan food and Hong Kong food and and um, and in, in, in these last ten years it's almost been forgotten, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, that kind of like it it makes me you know stop think eyebrows raised and mm -hmm. you know. Um, but uh, again, it's the same thing. Like I said, you can't stop it when the new wave right. comes in. You know, the new wave comes in. What are you well, gonna do? Well, I mean, I think you're part of that new wave too. Of you know, you were talking about earlier about how 
you know, there was a generation of Chinese Americans that were like, you know, I'm going to college and not taking over the restaurants. I think you're part of the the next generation. Yeah. So now there's also when you get when you get to that, there's there's a couple other branches of it. Now there's the guys who push the envelope mm-hmm. and the visionary guys. And and then it included in that mostly in this town in America and in New York City is the Asians that were born here but still have a connection to um, their culture um, um, from where it be, from China, from Japan, from, mm-hmm. you know, from Thailand, you know, Vietnamese, you know, whatever it is. Uh, they have that connection. Even though they were born here, they have that, uh, they still have that connection to their food and their culture. And the both sides come out and they're cooking. And, um, you know, uh, I think it's a great thing, you know. So you, you get guys who are shaping the way Chinese or Asian food is um, going to be uh, cooked in America. And then you have some of the old school guys who, you know, these are the traditional bases and this is how it should always be. But let's take a glimpse and see what you guys can do with it from a different point of view, from a different angle, Mm -hmm. Uh, using, you know, uh, a little bit more of a... uh, uh, a plethora of ingredients that doesn't have as much boundaries as your traditional, maybe just Cantonese pantry. Uh, because we're an American, we have all these great ingredients. And, you know, a guy like me, uh, not only cook Chinese food, but I, you know, I cook with John George von Gerichten mm-hmm. and I cook with Nobu Matsuhisa. And, uh, you know, uh, you had this whole farm to table movement that, you know, I was happy to be a part of as a chef to, you know, witness the, uh, that overtaking of, of, uh, you know, with respect to ingredients and respect to great, um, you know, uh, great produce and, and responsibly grown uh, and raised, uh, you know, meat and things like that. So um, all these great things are happening and you put them into a, you know, you kind of put them into a ball and you shape it and, you know, and you're going to get, you know, some really great chefs and some really great food out of it, yeah. you know. I'm, yeah, I think it's a really exciting time, personally. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more with Chef Chris Chung. <laughs> Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally anyway, anytime, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Searchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, With lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk, fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. All right, so we are back with more A Hungry Society with Chef Chris Chung of Eastwind Snack Shop and Tanso. Yes, I'm still here. 
<laughs> so uh, tell me about uh, your group that you started called the Asian Food Mafia. Ah, the Asian Food Mafia, yes. So um, I, uh, you know, we kind of, um, you know, we came up with that name. Uh, it, you know, we, how can I say? Okay, so it's a bunch of chefs, right? And, um, you know, I was uh, just at Open Eastwind Snack Shop and a lot of, I knew a few of these guys from beforehand, but a lot of people kind of came and, uh, you know, wanted to check me out and say hello. And, you know, I kind of seen how, you know, nice and cool and beyond really just the ba base of networking, uh, they really kind of, you know, they really kind of wanted to reach out and um, let me know that they, you know, they supported, you know, the ongoing um, movement of Asian food, Chinese food, whatever have you. And, you know, I thought, you know, you know, up until now, most of us as chefs and restaurateurs have been out there on our own, uh, singly trying to get our voice heard mm -hmm. and singly kind of raising our hand and saying, yeah, I'm here, I'm cooking this and, you know, you know, please come and eat my food and, you know, and, and then go from there. And I thought, you know, especially within the Asian community, um, it'd be probably a stronger um, voice to band together and try to make some things happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, first, you know, I, I asked a few of these guys and then some people came and wanted to be a part of it. You know, first, you've got to want to be, you know, a part of it. You want to want to be a part of a group, right? Uh, and, you know, Duran Wong from Northern Tiger and Lotus and Cleaver um, has, you know, been in the business for a very, very long time. Very respected guy. He came and, you know, he joined our group. Uh, Medwin Pang from Hunger Pang. Um, you know, really hip, cool restaurant in, on Church Avenue in Ditmas Park, uh, not too far away from East Wind. Uh, he came and, you know, and then um, at, at the same time I opened, Bricolage opened, which was a uh, gast Vietnamese gastropub um, uh, owned by uh, Ed and Lin. Uh, uh, Lin. And they um, received a lot of press and, you know, I went to, you know, go... Uh, eat there and food was phenomenal and you know so we kind of came be friends and um you know we're all kind of the same age and we're all kind of the uh, you know we, we all own our own asian restaurants i met chef bao bao on the uh, set of knife fight and she was really really cool and so she became part of the group as well and then uh, a few others uh what we would do is you know at first it was you know let's go have dinner let's all eat drink vent about uh, our problems at the restaurant, vent about the New York City restaurant industry in general, and all the and how tough it is to operate and be a part of this thing and 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 go strong and and then you know and then that kind of morphed into let's try to do some events and we did some charity events and we did some um, we did some panel discussions and then it turned into a big thing and then other chefs really thought it was such a cool thing um, you know. Uh, and they wanted to join a board, so it started to be a growing membership. Um, you know, the only thing that you need to have to become our, uh, part of our group is a willingness to be part of us mm -hmm. and um, to be involved in Asian food in some way. And so it turns out we want to do some things for the community. We want to get our voice heard. We, you know, it's it's nice, and you know, another benefit was a nice. It's nice to have that self promotion as a group. Um, and, uh, 
and so we do some events as well and you know you know each, each step is another step towards doing some good for us for the restaurant community and for asian food in general and we want to kind of shape the way asian food is either perceived and cooked at the same time in our own small way and uh you know we're doing a james bear dinner uh, in a couple of weeks um so that that's that's really cool so we're looking at that as a very nice step uh, and, uh, you know, for our group in general to kind of, you know, say, hey, you know, this is what we're about. But, you know, you really can't grasp what we're about uh, until you eat the food because what we're, what we're mainly about is cooking. And what we're mainly about is telling our story through how we cook our food, how we relate to the country of origin that we are trying to represent and um, also trying to do it in one of the toughest places to do it in New York City. Right. Yep. Speaking of, um, of restaurants, do you have any favorite restaurants at the moment that you love to go to? So I ju- we just, as part of Asian Food Mafia, we go out. Uh, if we originally, we started to eat at each other's places and enjoy our own food. Mm-hmm. And then obviously after we ran out of coming to each other's <laughs> places. We started to go to other people's restaurants. Started to restaurants. branch out. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, we kids just can't go to each other's places and just sit there and, you know, we want to, you know, it's New York, right? We want to go out and eat. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. And, you know, it's, and, you know, the best time to go out and eat is with a lot of people and a lot of friends and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you have a few drinks and you let it off a little steam and you eat good and, you know, enjoy yourself, right? <laughs> and plus, we're all chefs, so we get treated pretty well wherever we go, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of fun, too. <laughs> that's uh, always nice. You know, it's, I got a little smirk. I can't see this on the radio, but it's <laughs> yes. definitely a smirk. You, it's you know? a big smile. Yes, yes. Yeah, you get yeah. treated really well <laughs> yeah. when you go out. Yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, one of the perks that you, uh, you know, you kind of, it, you try to be humble about, but, you know, when you're there, uh, a few extra courses, uh, you know, chef comes out to say hello, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, uh, generally concerned on, you know, how the meal's going and, you know, the wine's flowing. It's good. It's good. It's a good thing. It's a good of. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very good thing. Uh, we had an epic meal at Hanoi House. Mm. Hanoi House was, uh, was, uh, was really, really cool. So it, it really enjoyed that. Um, you know, uh, uh, like I said, you know, the newcomers and the, you know, the guys that are getting a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of um, attention right now. Uh, it's really good to go to these places and see that, you know, it's well-deserved. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, my hat's off to that restaurant. Really, really cool. Um, you know, let's see. Uh, um, you know, there's, you know, I want to talk about some restaurants that have, I, you know, I haven't particularly gone to, but it's kind of like a conundrum, you know, you know, Da Dong is the one that's the big news these days. Yeah, and, they've gotten a lot of press. And they've gotten a lot of press, but they've also gotten a lot of bad uh, reviews uh, yeah. from critics and from, I guess, user reviews, you know, you know, Yelp and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, at first, sometimes you think, okay, a guy like that comes over to New York um, and, you know, he's getting a lot of backlash for what he's done. You know, sometimes you want to, as a Chinese guy, you want to fall back on, well, it's got to be a cultural difference. They got to be wrong, you know. Um, and then, you know, you read a lot of, you know, you, you kind of search it and you kind of research it because you really want to know what the hell is going on. Why isn't a guy like that that's revered across the world mm-hmm. isn't doing so well in New York? And, uh, you know, with the investment, I mean, you know, the millions of dollars yeah. that you put in a space like that, you know, you don't want to go wrong, right? You want to be celebrated when mm-hmm. you come over. And, um, and he's not particularly being that way. So, you know, you think it's a cultural thing, but then you read and you see a lot of 
Chinese people that are knocking it because they didn't have a great... So is that the yeah. next spot that the Asian food mafia is going to go to and, and check out? Yeah, um, you know, we, we want to, but again, you know, it's, it's funny, right? So It's also, like, expensive. Well, that's... Yeah, so, you know, in New York, you learn to kind of, you know, when you're going out, it's an investment, <laughs> and you yes. don't want to invest in something that's going to turn out to be bad. Right. And as much as my heart is attached to Chinese cuisine and, you know, um, my loyalty uh, stands with where a Chinese, uh, Chinese guy like that wants to come over and I'm fully supportive. I'm still on the bubble on whether I want to pay, you know, $200 for a dinner that I might not like. Right. So, um, yeah, so all I can say is we're thinking about it. <laughs> so that <laughs> actually leads it, yeah. perfectly into my next question, which right. is, can you talk about one of the worst dining experiences that you've ever had? And you don't have to name the restaurant. You can if you want to. But. Okay, so yeah, um, yeah, I saw this question. I just want, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I was grip, gra- grappling with, do I want to say names? But both of these restaurants have closed, right? So both of okay. these restaurants. And well, there you it, go. You're safe. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to talk about it in terms of now. I can say things about it and, and how bad it was, and you know what. what it, I just want to give you. It's indicative of how a little thing can kind of really turn out to be a bad thing for a restaurant. So uh, I'll give you two examples. Uh, We went to uh, Park Avenue Cafe used to be a really, really big, iconic restaurant in New York City. Um, And me and my wife had, um, we were just recently married and, um, you know, we like to go out for dinners and things like that. And Park Avenue Cafe, we've been to a bunch of times and, you know, um, we, uh, we were, we weren't quite regulars, but we were there maybe once every couple of months. It was great. You know, um, the last time I was ever there, um, we went for dinner and the waiter was just, I mean, I've never been, uh, served like that before, you know, um, literally hours between courses and you know it's, we're not doing tastings there it's you know three course meal oh my god um and can't get a drink and everything was great until we sat down and this one waiter you know you know to get the check was really 45 minutes and you know we, we kind of you'd be like you know can we get and we got the hand from her <gasps> you know but with the finger up like you know you you know like you know, you don't talk to me right now. I'm busy and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm in the business. So I'm not saying this like, you know, we weren't pests or we weren't paying any asses mm-hmm. or anything like that. We would just wanted a, you know, a nice dinner. Right. <laughs> and she really killed it. Right. So on the way out, you know, you know, talking to the manager, I'm saying, you know, I'm in the business, but this is what went on. And he was, you know, really apologetic and he really kind of, you know, tried to offer us a Phoebe. And I was like, no, no, I just wanted to let you know this. But, you know, and then. And then there was another restaurant uh, where we went to, and uh, it was called AZ, and it was a Patricia Yao restaurant, but she had just left. She had just left the restaurant, and so we went into this place knowing that the restaurant was kind of in the flux mode, Mm -hmm. uh, looking for a new chef or have maybe some of the, um, you know, uh, maybe the sous chef or somebody under her that didn't leave was now manning the kitchen, waiting for somebody else to take over, right? And, you know, service was great, but the food came out you know we had uh, the shrimp dish and the shrimp was bad rancid and so you know you know they questioned it but we we were just like here smell it check it out (laughs) it's right here you know you eat it i'll pay for you to eat it you know and the guy was like oh man you know sorry blah 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 and it didn't happen just once it happened like three times with three different dishes and you know so it's New York restaurant world, there's lots of great restaurants, but it's just indicative of how, you know, 
one person from each side of the house can really bring a restaurant down. Yes. If that just one cog um, gets screw, that screws with the system in a bad way, and you know you're out of the game really, right. really quick. And and that's how real it is in a restaurant uh, when you're when you're when you're dealing with chef to sous chef to cook to prep cook from waiter to captain to uh, dining room manager to manager and you know um, you know it's kind of like you know if you're like as a chef you're cooking and you're making this great dish um, and you know you, you you responsibly source the ingredients um, you know you, uh, you you know you marinated it to just to the right time you know you added just the right amount of seasoning but if you overcook that dish by mere seconds the whole thing is ruined and it's the same delicate balance um, uh, fine line that you walk in um, any ambitious restaurant. I feel like the, the front of the house thing is so important because I, I ask every guest that and I would say 85% of the time, it, their worst experience is always due to service. So, you know, with the service thing, it's very kind of, it's very complicated thing because you're coming out to have a good time. And, it, you know, if you read Yelp reviews, right? You, you know, you read Yelp reviews, right? If you can break down most Yelp reviews by the first paragraph where they say, well, we waited 20 minutes more than we thought we were going to. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get the right, we got a bad attitude from the hostess, mm -hmm. right? All the stuff that comes below it is almost arbitrary. You can say, you know, you can kind of read into it and say, well, they really didn't understand that or, you know, that, you know, that really wasn't something that you should really harp on or mm -hmm. things like that. But it all came from the first bad move. They let you know, yeah. Yeah, and 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 then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> and uh and let's face it, we've all been there. Oh, right? oh we've yeah. We've all been there. Oh know? yeah, we've we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh it, you know, it's very disappointing and then, you know, these days um you know, uh, you know, a lot of times you go out to eat. Again, it's uh, you're spending good money, mm -hmm. and um, you know, to um, you know, to go out and spend that type of money, and then come back uh, disappointed, sucks. Right, just sucks. It yeah. really, really does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my last question for you: If you could have your last meal in a restaurant, where would it be, and who is invited? Wow. Okay. So that's a tough question because I don't think as a chef and a restaurant guy, I can hold myself to one restaurant. You know, um, I'd have to, I'd have to, inv I'd have to like invent for that, that, that question, the uh, quintessential restaurant that serves you all of your favorite dishes. You know, I, I, you know, well, you the, can, the I mean, Joe this beef is all double down. <laughs> is getting sent over prince's fried chicken in 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 nashville is mm -hmm. getting sent over roberta's pizza is coming my way yeah <laughs> uh the pan fried flounder at hop key is is coming my way you know think you know all of those uh, uh, dim sum you know tim Wan, you know uh is, is getting ordered and then you know i'm having not just one meal but i'm having breakfast lunch and dinner as my last wish and you know we can go so it's there. an all-day restaurant yeah, yeah it's an all-day free-flowing if i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out with a bang <laughs> and you know yes i'm gonna you know it'll be not just you know put me out of my misery it, it'll be a extended food coma but a happy what one. does the, what does the restaurant actually look like though inside like is it like super modern and sleek is it comfortable is it like what dining room would you want all of these foods in it's really it's some good music, a comfortable booth, you know, and a um, a nice smooth 
large table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who gets yeah. to eat with you at this? Oh uh, well, this meal? you know, uh, let's see. Okay, so uh, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to keep this all to myself. I got to invite, you know, you know, family, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, wife, my son, you know, my mom, you know, definitely, mm-hmm. you know, you guys got to come over. My aunt, my uncle, who uh, actually helped me out through my career, you know. So we're going to give shout outs to all of those people and thanks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Asian food mafia is coming. Yeah, you know, all my boys from Chinatown that I grew up and hung out with. Uh, and, um, and, and then, you know, maybe some chefs that I revered and some people that I, you know, I, I love to eat, you know, um, I was on the Anthony Bourdain show, right. Mm-hmm. And I hung out with him and, you know, where people ask me, you know, is, is that, um, you know, is it, is, was that TV thing, you know, hard to do it? I was like, you sit with Anthony Bourdain, you talk with, you talk about food and you drink shots. There's no easier TV Right. You know, and he's just the coolest dude. So, you know, he'd have to come in and and sit, Um, you know, uh, you know, you know, I'm an old school sports fan. So we'd probably have to get Derek Jeter to come over. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe the new guy, Aaron Judge, to come over. (laughs) This is quite a guest list here. Yeah. 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 And this is everyone. I'm pretty going to be pretty generous. You know, everyone's coming like for the whole day or is it like they're coming for like you You come in and you eat. And you stay as long as you want. And when you want to leave, then, you know, shake hands and, you know, catch you later, man. What are you, you drinking know? with this food? Oh, so, uh, you know, Johnny Walker Blue Label and um, and water. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <And> water. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You need a little, you need to stay hydrated. Other than that, you know, sure, that, that's about it. <laughs> that's awesome. That I would love to see the breakdown by like, you know, what you want. For breakfast, for lunch, sure. for dinner, for We'd have snacks. some dim sum for bit breakfast, mm-hmm. right? And then for lunch, Roberta's pizza, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, then maybe uh, for dinner, uh, we, you know, maybe we'd send over for the Minetta Tavern Black Label Burger, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll get a, um, we'll get a whole plate of some of that great Wisconsin cheese, <laughs> right? So tip my Shout hat out to, to the, the sponsor, sponsor, of course. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, but it is the best cheese in the world, right? So I, you know, um, if you're going to eat it, that's where you're going to go. Right. And, yeah, sure. And uh, and and you know, we'll and then you know, we'll just sit and eat and, and have a great time. What, what the hell, right? Nice. That's yeah. a great way to go out. Yeah, and that's exactly what Chinese New Year dinner is like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. There I like go. it. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I feel like thanks. I could I talk to you about food for like yeah, hours. Yeah, we go on and for hours. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time on The Hungry Society. Going hey fa choy. Happy New Year. <laughs> thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.